Coming a little closer to home now, a story that's been in the news for the past couple of weeks, and it's really had a lot of people thinking, what? How did this happen? Federal inspectors are now confirming, as of yesterday, that two leaks of oil sands tailings water from Imperial Oil's Curl Mine are, in fact, harmful to wildlife, and they've issued an order to Imperial to clean it up and stop the ongoing seepage. Uh, They're worried about it affecting uh, fish if it gets into the waters and all those sorts of things. But there are already some advisories put in around water in the area and things like that. Um, It's a mess. It really is. But the issue here, uh, aside from that, I mean, that's clearly an issue that needs to be dealt with. But the other question that's being asked is, this has been going on for months, literally months and months and months. Now it's the mess at the center of a major battle um, that's, you know, you've got the municipalities, you've got um, First Nations, you've got the province, you've got the provincial regulator, you've got the federal government, you've got Environment Canada, everybody all coming together to do what? To point fingers and to say, uh, I don't know what happened, but they all seem to agree that something went horribly, horribly wrong and it's not supposed to work the way that it did. Something fell down in a big, big way and it has before. There's problems with this system. So to help us get some understanding as to what went wrong and what should have happened, we're going to speak with Martin Olshinsky, who is a resource law professor, University of Calgary, a former federal regulatory lawyer. Martin, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate your time today. Glad to be here. Okay, so these leaks were first noted back in May. Like we're talking months and months and months and months ago. So what is the system that we have in place? How should that have been handled if things worked the way it was designed? Yeah, so the, the key thing to understand here is that, you know, of course, uh, any province um, will have some kind of regulations and, and law around spills, right, about, uh, you know, contamination into the environment and that kind of thing. And so Alberta has that. But in Canada, under our Constitution, uh, jurisdiction over fisheries, and that includes not just the seacoast ones, but inland fisheries as well, is federal. And so the federal government has a Fisheries Act, and it's got a whole bunch of provisions in there that are intended not just to regulate fishing as an activity, but it manages fishing as a resource, protects against, you know, prohibits, again, releases into the environment. We call these uh, substances del- substances that are deleterious to fish. And so then what, what the federal and provincial governments have done and, and did actually probably, you know, over a decade ago, was they sort of said, look, in the event that there are these spills, we should harmonize our systems. It doesn't make sense. We can reduce regulatory burden, for instance, right, and say we should have like a one window stop, right, one window stop or whatever for for these kinds of notifications. And so there is a regulation under the Fisheries Act uh, referred to as like the deposit out of the normal course of events kind of regulation in it has a schedule for each province about who you contact. And in the province of Alberta, the number is the same number that you would call if provincially, like in the, in the province of Alberta, you have a spill of some kind anyway, right? Okay. Um, and so it's, I think it's called the EDGE. I think there's an acronym there. It's called EDGE or whatever. And it's, so it's for hazardous substances. It's for driving. You know, if there's a spill on the highway or whatever, yep. these are all, they all go to the same call center. And there's a timeline of doing that within, like, 24 hours is when this is supposed to happen. Yeah, I mean, so the, that's interesting, actually. I noticed that, uh, I mean, the the call center is a 24-hour hotline, so that's very clear. You know, I think the, the general rule is that when an operator, the minute someone knows that they that they have, there's been a release into the environment, uh, then they need to make that notification, right? So it's kind of like triggered, sort of like as soon as as soon as recently possible, mm-hmm. once once you're aware, right? Which which certainly would have been the case here, 
in May when they reported to Alberta Envi- to the Alberta Energy Regulator, right? So that's that's where that first report would have come in. And, and yeah, so the argument basically is, and this is where things kind of fall apart. We don't have a lot of details, you know, but it would appear, I think what, Curl, what Imperial Oil has said is that they made that call. Yep. And then that the provincial sort of like switchboard neglected to forward that information over to Environment Canada, which is responsible for um, these provisions under the Fisheries Act that deal with pollution prevention. Yeah, you're right. It seems like we've got the province, the feds, the company all talking about the regulator here uh, seems to be the one that's getting most of the blame around this and saying that's where it broke down. But there's a lot of people saying, well, that's because of the whole relationship and the setup we have with this regulator. Uh, you know, as somebody who's been involved in that process intimately, is it too cozy with industry? I mean, does it do the job effectively for Albertans and Canadians? Yeah, I mean, so, you know, of course, these are, to some extent, I'd rather, you know, I, I fall back on, you know, the, the um, when we had that whole controversy over the coal mining on the eastern slopes, yes. it was really interesting. Alberta Environment and Parks commissioned a survey with, like, 25,000 Albertans, and, um, and maybe it was responding specifically to, to that initiative and, and the feedback that the Coal Policy Committee was seeking. And it said something like they found that 85% of Albertans didn't trust the regulator. And so that to me, you know, like my own opinion absolutely is absolutely the case that, uh, you know, I can't list you, I can list, I could go on for like an hour of example after example where it appears to me that the regulator prioritized the commercial interests of those it regulates over the broader public interest. And and we just have example after an example of that. Um, I was recently involved in in the review of uh, the sort of the liability regime and the security that's supposed to be collected, and it's the same story there. But we know the coal policy was a fiasco. So, uh, yeah, unfortunately, that's very much, I think, an incredibly reasonable position to take is that this regulator time and time again appears to prioritize or has conflated you know, the, the oil sand company's interests with the public interest or, or prioritizes them outright. And, and so that, that's really problematic and it, it creates huge problems of trust, which is ultimately what this all has to depend on, right? All of this, uh, if we're not going to all become hapless fact checkers, constantly seeking out independent verification, what we need is we need to have trust in our institutions. And Martin, I think, you know, to evidence what you're saying and to make it really clear is the fact that we have um, Gibault in Ottawa, the Environment Minister, and Sonia Savage here in Alberta saying the same thing. I mean, will worlds collide? <laughs> Can you imagine? They're both saying, yeah, you know what? The system that we have in place obviously is not working the way that it's supposed to. So I guess the question is, where do we go from here? There's an investigation that's been launched to find out what happened. There's the order to get things cleaned up. Um, we actually have Alberta and Ottawa both saying we need to fix the system. So where do we go from here? How does that happen? You know, I mean, so, yeah, you know, so, so some things, I was that about politics makes strange exactly. and I'll, 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 cite, I'll agree with Presser or with uh, Premier Daniel Smith, who said we need radical transparency. And so what I would say is that we need that across the board. This is an issue that's been festering, actually, and I was involved in a, in a report that was published a couple of years ago that noted at the same time that, for instance, Alberta Environment or Alberta, the, the energy regulator, was given groundwater reports that showed seepage uh, and that those reports were not making their way to Environment Canada. Um, and that generally, you know, like this, 
this problem, the issue of seepage, it has been festering. We know that it's an issue. We know that um, there appears to be examples and scientific evidence that supports the idea that sometimes the seepage not only does it get into groundwater, but it's making its way into tributaries. Um, there are something like 37 tailings ponds up on that landscape. So, so my own view is that we need we need some serious transparency. I would like to see some kind of inquiry uh, into the state of the science uh, around tailings management and, and what our plans are going forward. Because I think there are just so many unknowns. They're talking about releasing effluent in the next couple of years and regulations around that. I think we just finally need like a very rigorous, very independent process that looks at all these things and informs all these. Yeah, as, as, as you know, as as, a re, as the owners of that resource, but also like those, you know, we'll be stuck with the legacy from all this. Um, what exactly is going on? What are the risks? How much will it cost to deal with it? You know, what are the options? I think that's the kind of thing that we need. We need, uh, you know, as much as I, I know everyone's burnt out on inquiries, um, but but this would be actually a really useful one, and, and we need that transparency because unfortunately there is no trust, right? What, right. Because, because there is no trust, we can't just keep letting the regulators say, "Well, trust us, trust us." We need an independent assessment of these issues, transparent um, for all of us to be able to sort of like get our wrap our minds around these problems. You know, and you make a really good point, saying, you know, this is for Albertans. We're the ones that have to deal with this, and uh, you know, there's also two First Nations directly affected here. You've got Athabasca, Chippewa, First Nation, and Miccosukee Cree First Nation, and they're saying, you know, what well, we nobody talked to us. We we didn't. I mean, it seems like this whole process. A lot of the concern people have is, you know, Albertans, First Nations, those literally affected by this, they don't have a say in this process at all, Martin. I don't know how you make that happen, that you should have people advocating and, you know, I mean, that's what the regulator is essentially supposed to do. But I think Albertans feel like they need to have a seat at the table here too. Yeah, well, no, exactly. That's right. And, you know, and we've seen it. The thing is, we have seen that kind of mobilization, you know, when when that coal policy was going on and, and, and the idea of, of coal mining on eastern slopes. I mean, you saw an incredible mobilization of political power in southern Alberta. Right. And, and it was nonpartisan or bipartisan. And it was people who were concerned about their water. Right. And it was and in that context. It was selenium. Right. Like it was just like one constituent. This is a this is like a whole order of magnitude of a bigger problem. We're talking about hydrocarbons. We're talking about volatile organic compounds. We're talking about all kinds of things, benzenes, you know, like. And so what I what I, I think, you know, when she, the um, chief um, Adam of the Athabasca Chippewa First Nation, when he says, you know, this smacks of environmental racism, I think he's right. Like, there is this double standard. Like, down here, we refuse, you know, like, there was all this uproar about this one substance, um, and, and, and yet we saw, like, the powerful response. And I think, I think what they're asking for and looking for is a little bit of solidarity with those First Nations up there yeah. who are downstream in that context and who are facing, an, like a, again, a, a significantly more potentially problematic uh, brew of substances than, than anything that any of us have had to see or deal with down here. Yeah, it's a big, big mess. Thanks so much for helping us uh, walk through it, Martin. I appreciate your time. You're very welcome. That is Martin Olshinsky. He's a resource law professor at the University of Calgary, also a former federal regulatory lawyer.